Hey thinkers, welcome to this week's Thinking Podcast. I'm your host, Jeffrey Wu, and I'm excited to have Dan Doty on with us. And if you don't know what he does, he's the founder of Everyman, which is a men's community. And you might think, wait, what, what is that? Um, but I think from our perspective, and what was interesting to me was that um, you're very much creating a, a, a new concept of what it means to be men today. And I think a lot of, you know, what we're doing with the biohacking community and all these emerging groups, it, it, as technology, as this paradigm shift, we need to recreate and redefine what it means to not just be men, but also human. So excited to have you on and, and dive into that. Cool. Yeah, um, excited to be here. Uh, that was a very professional and a, a welcoming intro. Thank you. <laughs> no, absolutely. Um, I'm curious, you know, it sounds like you have a, a varied professional career. What got you uh, into this path? I mean, I think, I think from Hollywood and just how we're co- brought up culturally, I think we have this stereotypical notion of what it be, means to be men. And usually that means, you know, strong, you know, unemotional, kind of like the James Bond, if you will. Um, yeah, well, so my hero wasn't James Bond. My hero was uh, Louis L'Amour. You ever heard of him? No. So he's one of the most prolific writer of Western novels of all time. Okay. And I was actually born in the same hometown he was in Jamestown, North Dakota. And uh, when I graduated high school, my grandma gave me literally two big plastic tubs full of his books. And they're all, they're very formulaic. There's this like handsome, rugged uh, cowboy and there's trouble brewing and there's a pretty woman involved. And it's just, I I don't know, I started uh, tearing those up. But the thing that got me the most was the small bio on the back and Louis L'Amour. So he like, he like lived more lives than humans are supposed to, right? He was like a firefighter, a bare knuckle boxer. He um, sailed on ships all around the world. He he was like a hobo. He was a cow puncher. He like he just like lived this life of adventure and experience. And um, yeah, something about that just got me from an early age. So um, I have nothing like the credentials he does. But after a very uh, you know protected right. and basically lovely childhood in the Midwest. I had the curtains pulled back and started traveling abroad and just started opening my eyes. And uh, I think, so I grew up in North Dakota and Minnesota, and I think that gave me this really amazing place to begin (laughs) from because uh, not much happened when I grew up. And then I got out into the world and everything was just like intense and big and beautiful and amazing and vibrant and diverse. And, um, you know, life kind of took me by the, by the jockey shorts and uh, just it was amazing so i yeah i i got interested in what i do now um because right after college after spending some time abroad i was actually living in panama and i needed a job back in the states to make some money and uh went on craigslist and found an ad for what was called a wilderness therapy guide position i didn't know what it was (laughs) i didn't know what that meant uh but i looked into it and it basically said, do you like kids? Are you a good leader? Uh, do you like the outdoors? Would you like to come and hang out with juvenile uh, delinquents or struggling teens in the desert for eight days at a time? And I was like, holy shit, yeah, I, I would I would like that. Um, so that started my first career uh, working out in the wilderness with struggling guys. And 
it just so happened that I worked primarily with guys, 99% young men for years and spent hundreds and hundreds of days out. And that just, uh, that, that did it. That kickstarted it. It was this immersion into what it, and so this kind of job, right? There's a very intimate sort of close proximity, you know, spending 24 hours for weeks on time with in these the guys and just without like computers or anything. I mean, you got to spend real people time, FaceTime with people. Oh, and this is, that's yeah. deep people time, right? Yeah. That's, that's like all the way there. Um, and yeah, I just became obsessed with what it meant. And I just saw all these guys literally struggling, but I could see through the struggle to how, you know, they're just good kids, good guys that, um, didn't fit into the world in that moment. And uh, that that started my obsession, and I could keep telling the story if if you want me to. But uh, yeah, I, I mean, I think that's that's a good baseline because I think if you look at some of the statistics, right? Men are, I like the lacrosse. We have some here as well. <laughs> um, you know, men have the, you know, are a majority of suicides. I mean, it just seems like you know all these like delinquency. It's majority men. It, it just seems like. Uh, you know, something is not working for masculinity today, which I think is something that we've seen and just something that I'm always interested in. It's just fast growing online communities. Um, yeah, it's true. I was yeah. walking and talking with, with a guy the other day and, and he shared that, um, that, uh, you know, he felt guilty for struggling because he was a white, a white male. Right. And anything that he went through automatically made him feel, like well i got it so good and i shouldn't be ashamed i shouldn't i shouldn't be struggling right i should like i had all these advantages and and then yeah you look at the statistics and i look at i said i said who is it that kills themselves it's you and me you know right that's you can't i I can't ignore that right right it's huge yeah so yeah it's interesting because i think that you know one thing that you know, we've seen is, uh, have you heard of like the red pill men's right activist groups? I'm, I'm curious, like what your opinion is on like sort of like these different offshoots of, you know, men communities that are coming together and, and talking about some of these issues in, in, in a new way. I mean, I'm sure that like, I think, yeah, yeah just, I, I think I've heard about, but tell me, define a little bit more the red pill one, because I've heard of a couple um, different, of very, yeah, so types, you know, so the the red pill is a reddit community on uh on on reddit which is a big you yeah. know online forum site and um i think it's a it's it's a pretty controversial group because i would say that you know they you know it's a group of i think disenchanted men who um almost become almost anti-woman in in in, in the oh, sense wow. of like you know like i think they you know a lot of you know, issues around, you know, when you get divorced, like men kind of get screwed over in that process or domestic violence, um, or even rape. Um, you know, it, 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 you know, basically if you're a, you know, the class of men, you have a lot less wiggle room or a lot less more, more bias against you in those instances versus, you know, female. So I think in a lot of cases, I think it comes from, I guess, similar struggles of what it means to be men in today's world. But I think, from my perspective, it almost becomes anti-woman, but I, I don't think that's necessarily the right path. But I'm I'm curious. Yeah. No. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So I, yeah. I am familiar with this, and, and I've yeah. just looked into it a little bit online. Right. 
I mean, I think I want to be really careful as we open up that door. Too. I just want to be super clear. I'm the furthest thing from anti-woman <laughs> that, that you yeah. could come across. I mean, yeah. um, I, you know, grew up with a mom who I've had just a deep, amazing relationship my whole life right. and a wife and friends. And, you know, just, I mean, there's, there's nothing, um, there's nothing anti-woman me, not even the, the slightest hair. Right. I think that, you know, I don't know the actual facts and details about the the legal rights and 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 I I I'm aware of it enough to know that there's there's something there, right? Right. I mean, you know, I have a young boy and I would be terrified and freaked out and wouldn't know what to do if something god forbid ever happened where my family split up and and I wouldn't have my son around or or right. I don't know, you know, so I I, I don't have <laughs> enough i think that i personally any movement that honestly starts to be anti anything is suspect to me and right i think it's perversion of like the core ideal which is that i think men are struggling they're figuring out outlets to improve themselves and i think you know that i think i would say that degenerate path is going into this route where like the world has gone overly feminist where I, I, I think it's like, it's, it's not like there's a, I think there's the pie can grow larger for everyone. It's not like, Hey, it's a zero sum game. Like some other groups rights means is taking over. That means we need to like fight back. Yeah. Which I think I mean, is what I, I liked about your message, which is very much like, Hey, we need to just create an open platform, just change the concept of masculinity. So it's more. B- yeah. Broader. I'm trying to think of what the, uh, um, what thinker this comes from or, or where this comes from, but there's like a, a progression of r- relating that kind of goes from dependence. So you're dependent on someone to independence. So you're completely on your own. And then beyond that is interdependence. Right. And I feel like, you know, whatever uh, this red pill thing is reacting to, I'm, I'm, I'm sure there's truth in, in reality into right. it. And, um, you know, I I think that any sort of divisive, uh, finger pointing, playing the victim type stance is, I I get it. I'm not saying I don't get it, but I feel that we are, uh, we have a capacity, and we're at the place now where we can really um, slow down and, and not every like I get it. Everybody's at different places, right? And so if that's where you're at, you know, fine and. Um, but what we're creating and what I'm interested in is our ability to uh, work with those uncomfortable truths. So, you know, whatever is uncomfortable about being a man right now, um, first of all, let's step up and take all the responsibility we can for that. Let's, you know, let's 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 let ourselves be uncomfortable with it. Let's um, really uh, accept it and then work together, you know there's a way to create safe enough communication and safe enough interaction where you can get through all kinds of dirty, dark things. And, um, so yeah, I'm curious. I'll I actually, you're making me more curious. I want to look more into the red pill thing, but yeah, I, no, you know, yeah, there's I think, also I, just, yeah, a, cause I think that's just a sign that like, there's a big title shift. If people are just like redefining what it means, I think there's a m- bunch of ways you can channel energy in it. Like I think, it should we should be channeling in a more positive way absolutely yeah uh, you know my i try not to be too prescriptive in general right like I, I and that's part of like defining uh what a man is or could be you know i think it's easy to say well a man should be 
kind. A man should be strong. I I think that's the wrong approach at this point. I think we need to be descriptive about what it means to be a man, which ultimately means what it means to be human if you are a man, right? And I feel like um, how I would like to set a definition for manhood moving forward is that the more you can peel away all the BS and be yourself all the way to your core, right? And that's a mysterious thing. That's a big, long adventure to go on. That's not like, okay, here's me, here's who I am. But if you engage in the process of being as true to yourself as possible, that's the only thing I can come up with as a measure for manhood that I would uh, support at this time. So it's like, who am I actually? The more I am who I am actually, does that does that make sense? Yeah, no, I, I yeah, the way I think about it, you know, it sounds like obviously you're very self-reflective, right? Like I think at the core, like you just want to be able to, what I like to say is you have full bandwidth communication. It's just you with as less social filters as possible, putting yourself out there, your ideas out there. So I guess going to the core is like just peeling away the social contracts so you can project your ideas as a human being exactly. as purely as possible into the world. No, well put. Yeah, exactly. Good reflection. And, you know, in my work, so with kids and then as a teacher and then now now with men, I mean, honestly, like this is kind of when somebody gets to that point and they feel themselves being really true and having a totally open channel like that. Yeah, man, it's like it's like uh, it's an insight moment. It's like this is what yeah. I was looking for. Right. There's right. there's this level of being able to relax um, when that happens that is really compelling. Yeah. What do you think is the, you know, pure driver here? I think we talked about like social like Hollywood. I mean, when people come in, you know, what are the typical patterns that you see, you know, when, when men come and, and engage with the community and, you know, go to go to the various retreats and events that you guys run? Yeah. So, um, very broadly or no, I'll, I'll go very specifically. I think that, um, the first, <laughs> the first commonality is that stepping into a retreat space like that is terrifying, right? So, I mean, even just before it begins, before you start to get to know the guys or whatever, the act of taking a weekend or a week or three hours, whatever it is, to come confront yourself in with this support of these guys, um, it really creates tension. <laughs> it really creates anxiety. Um, and even for <laughs> my, I've been doing this for years and years and years, um, you know, like, so I have a, I have my, my everyman men's group tonight, my regular one in, in my hometown that I go to, I kind of, I kind of have this feeling of being nervous because I don't know, I have to pull back the, the veil a little bit and, you know, so, so that's one, um, that's not really, so I would say that, uh, that is a pattern and that I think speaks to just, um, we don't generally have this type of space in our lives, right? So we're drawn to it and I think repelled by it at the same time, um, which is interesting. But as far as, you know, yeah, what do you think that patterns, is? I mean, I, th- it, I mean, just like, yeah, what do you think that is? I mean, just, I mean, not like an elephant in the room, right? Like, I think that probably people are afraid of being called, you know, gay or homosexual, you know, like, but that's, why is that, like, that shouldn't, that shouldn't be there, right? Like, there's no, there's none of that. Like, why is that even like a, but it's just like, it's interesting that like, in traditional masculinity it's just like you don't do that like what do you yeah what do you think is the core drivers there 
Well, so that's definitely one. You know, yeah. the 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 fear of uh, appearing soft or effeminate or gay or you know that's definitely there and i try to speak to that in my right. retreats you know just just put it out there yeah put it out be, there i mean it's some, it's something that like it shouldn't exist but like i think all men would just like you kind of know in, in this corner like hey is this like kind of gay like why why are we thinking that right i think that's absolutely an elephant in the room well i mean why are we thinking that i mean i think it it has <laughs> uh, a huge historical society societal historical background of what specifically in america it means to be a man right you know from the uh from the the moving west days of actually i used teddy roosevelt's a really interesting example because teddy roosevelt is seen as this historical figure in america who's just like manly right he came out he killed buffalo you know he carried a big stick (laughs) he's just a dude um but when he was a boy he was uh diagnosed with um Oh man, what was it called? Um, he was ba- basically very feek and we I'm sorry, weak and feeble and um, effeminate. And back then they would I'm forgetting what the actual diagnosis was called, but they would send boys out west, right, to to toughen up. And if and if women and girls presented with this, they would put them on bed rest. Um, but so. <laughs> You know, and then and I think Teddy Roosevelt and people like Ernest Hemingway and I mean all kinds of American figures and then just just I use the idea of the cowboy. Like what does a cowboy do? They're out in the freaking desert by themselves on a horse, they're hard, they don't show emotion, um, they're isolated, they're a lone wolf, right? There's this whole uh culture and there's a part that uh, I mean, if anybody listening has any research on this i'm looking for it but there's something to do with i think that as a species for men at some point it became dangerous or not okay to share our experience like i i believe that i don't know that that's just just kind of a hypothesis but you know i our our old-fashioned uh assumptions of of gender roles are that you know, women get together, share their experience. They talk. They cre- create community. Right. Men. It's, yeah, um, it's not lesbian or gay to have women talk about talk about feelings, but it's gay for men to do that. Yeah, it's it's like why? It's yeah, exactly. I I I, I want to know why. Yeah, it's interesting to figure out why. Yeah. So I'm working on it. If anybody else yeah. is curious and has any ideas, you know, reach out to me because I would like to I'd like to get a clearer picture of of exactly why. Yeah. Um, I think, you know, historically. We can do research and make hypotheses. In the present moment, I know that um, for men today, that there's the there, there's sort of the outward fear. There's there, there's there's the fear of what are these guys going to think about me? What is this going to say about me to other people? What does this really mean? But actually, even probably more in, in a stronger fashion, but in a less conscious fashion, is the act of getting honest and true to yourself anyway. It's terrifying. It, it's actually really, really, really scary. And I don't think we know that or recognize that, um, but it is. It's not, it's, not, it's not what we do in our day-to-day life. Unless you're like a deep meditator or you do a lot of deep therapeutic process work or, or maybe you've been through, um, you know. Well, interest, it's interesting. There's parts of our uh, um, society that do go through this. So addicts who go through the recovery often are forced to do some of this deep work. Um, you know, these young kids who were sent away to go to therapeutic programs, they do some of this deep work. 
And so one of the interesting things is, you know, these kids I used to work with got out of their programs with this immense amount of emotional maturity and almost were black sheep in a different way because, you know, they felt and communicated. A different level than everyone else now. Okay. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Well, why do, I'd be curious to see what you think. What do you think the 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 fears are? Hmm. Um, I guess like I'm just thinking about just different contexts that, you know, men do spend a lot of time together, which is like in, in different teams, sports teams. Um, I guess uh, usually men band together for some sort of objective or goal that's yeah. like external facing. Like we're going to take over this other village or we're going to beat these other guys from other parts of the town. Um, and if it's not in that context, I guess it's like unfamiliar. It's 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 like... So I, I guess like that confusion, uh, you know, stems to, yeah. And I think there's always like a sexiness to being like the lone wolf kind of rebel. And if you're just kind of like being together, it's kind of this, yeah, this softness, I, which again is very interesting culturally why that's the connotation that that would bring up. Well, and here's one thing that I'm really passionate about and I believe in all the ways that we are somehow – uh, trained to believe that if you are tough and if you are strong and if you have this sexy thing, that automatically means that you don't have the rest of those capabilities, which right. is ridiculous to me at this point. In, I mean, it's 21st century. It's ridiculous to right. think like I use this term full spectrum masculinity or maybe even full spectrum humanity, which is that, man, the the range of experience that we can have alive on this earth today right. is wildly huge right right and the the level of um fluency that we have with our own self be it mentally emotionally physically um psychically spiritually whatever i mean man people do all kinds of <laughs> wild things and i've always been interested in broadening my my spectrum right like like i said with louis lamore i like I like to do a lot of different things. I learn experientially. And, um, you know, to me, yeah. So, I mean, it, it doesn't take a rocket scientist. You go out, you look out in the news and every so often, there was just one on Brad Pitt and a couple months ago or maybe a year ago, um, it was uh, the Olympic swimmer. What's that guy's name? Um the, the the huge uh, famous successful Olympic swimmer. Anyway, these guys who are Phelps, Michael Phelps. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Okay. Um, we see them. They're 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 touted as sort of the pinnacle of masculinity in our culture, and then every once in a while you see these stories where uh, they break down. They have to go through some sort of recovery process. They have to find their feet. They have to grow up. They have to mature. Um, and it's interesting because we don't we don't you know, we don't linger on that too much as a society. Um, but I, I think, you know, we're starting to really need to, we need to, we need to take more time to recognize that. I, I, I mean, I don't know for me right now, if you're a man and you're not able to sort of create emotional safety for yourself and your family or your friends or community, I just, I don't think it's going to work very much longer. Like it's, it's something that we can learn to do and practice um, and make such a massive difference for those around us. Right. It's in our sphere of influence that we can, 
we can really improve things for ourselves. Yeah. So what are some of the techniques that, you know, draw people out? I mean, I think we went on a little bit of a segue, like the commonalities, like what other commonalities do you, have you, have you seen as, as patterns? Yeah. So the, the main and one, I guess a follow up would be like, what are some of the techniques that, you know, have, have you've seen success with to pull people out of those, those old contexts? Totally. Totally. So, um, the main commonality is that it can look different in pretty much every guy, but the, the, the basis is that there is, um, so one or probably many, but let's just pare it down to one. Say that I'm very, uh, for whatever my personal history is, I'm really uncomfortable feeling angry. Right. And this one is a common one for guys. Interesting. Um, really? Yeah. Oh, there's this, there's a great book on it called, um, no more Mr. Nice guy. There's this okay. nice guy syndrome where, you know, you learn at a young age, you get rewarded for pleasing people and, yeah. And so, uh, you know, an angry boy doesn't get a cookie or whatever that is. Right. And so you repress, um, naturally for good reason, we repress parts of our spectrum, right? So let's just call anger one sliver of the spectrum of what we can feel and express. And, um, you know, a lot of people might look at men and masculine to be like, oh, well, they're the angry ones. And. You know, that's not fair either. I, I think I think there's just as many guys who are uncomfortable being angry as those who go to it as their like immediate space. And so um, but that can be anything that like what is it? Whatever it is you've been conditioned to that doesn't really fit for you in your life. Right. For um, for me, interestingly enough, I, it was a lot of emotion in general. I I grew up in a loving, loving, loving family. But um, we didn't, there wasn't a ton of um, expression, right? And so in my 20s, I started getting all gummed up and realized that, you know, something wasn't working. And uh, I found this men's group and I moved to to Montana, Idaho border. And and my mentor, his name is Owen Marcus. And he's kind of Yoda of of all of this uh, men and emotions thing. And and, um, one by one, just sort of, expanded relearned how to just to feel honest really honestly feel anything um and it's so it's so amazing and sometimes a guy can come into a retreat or, or a group and you know get right to it and find out what it is you know here, here, here's this thing i've been repressing all my life and so um we can identify it and start working with it sometimes it takes years it really takes years and for me you know i've been doing this i've been doing deep deep reflective work like this for a decade more and there's still things that come up. Um, so the the commonality, I'll try to pare it down and answer it simply. The commonality is that uh, there are internal spaces within us where it's not okay to go, right? Yeah, interesting. Yeah, and so... Do you wanna do you wanna expand on yeah, that or should yeah, I go I think I, no, Yeah, I think that's an interesting area because I think from a society perspective, it, it's... Society doesn't want a bunch of like young, angry men running around like messing up like commerce and capitalism and, and society, right? Like like oftentimes if you look at some of the interesting statistics, like revolution rates and rebellions and wars accelerate when there's a lot of single young men yeah. not doing things. Yeah. Which is interesting. So like I think in some ways, like we you know, why is society pushing this sort of like notion of not being angry? I think it's like 
well, if you have a bunch of angry people, it's not safe for people to go about in their lives. So it's interesting. So that culture would shift towards angry is not good. Be nice, be nice, be nice. But it's not natural, right? Like, as you say, like it's full spectrum masculinity. Like we have things and areas and parts, times of our lives that were nice and, and, and just like the opposite, like there's times where we're going to be upset and it's okay to be upset. Right. No, like, you're and, nailing it. That that's, that's exactly the, that's exactly the thing. I mean, I think a, a really healthy, emotionally healthy man or human is, uh, you know, has the bandwidth to, right. to be in the moment with whatever's happening. Right. right. And not need to jump off the course of what's happening. Right. So, right. I mean, and it happens in little tiny ways, you know, it's like, um, I mean, I, I won't be too specific, but, but you know, with my wife and I, like there's little things that, uh, you know, little interactions, maybe I'll get my feelings hurt, but instead of actually feeling hurt and letting myself feel hurt, which is uncomfortable and sucks, right. I'll immediately like put up a little hard wall and, and you know, <laughs> like, like just kind of yeah. separate us and pull right. back when, you know, uh, to, to truly be healthy and all the way healthy in that moment, probably what I need to do is just slow down, actually recognize, okay, I am actually feeling really hurt here. I can say it or not say it, whatever I need to, but let that, let that experience just happen and process and go through. And that's, that's, uh, that's kind of, I think some of the knowledge we're missing in our culture around this experience and emotions is that we're built as these amazing emotional uh, beings and machines that, you know, if we just let things, if we can be comfortable and safe enough to let things happen, they process through and then we don't hold on to it forever. And I think that, I I think that, that was part one of this week's episode of the thinking podcast. Stay tuned for part two 